Welcome to CEO on the Go, the show about personal and professional growth for busy leaders like you. I'm Gail Lance, and I'm here to help you think differently, solve big problems, and inspire change. It's tough to do on your own and even with a team, but it is possible. So let's get started. Welcome to this special episode. In case you missed the last episode, the focus was on why executive coaching matters and what to consider if you're thinking about working with a coach to achieve some kind of result or transformation. And I had a powerful conversation with Rhett Power. You know, I couldn't resist saying that. And I encourage you to listen to that if you haven't already, because we talked about some of the needs that executive coaching can address. And we touched on the idea that there's so many different approaches to coaching and to helping leaders perform at the highest levels. So today, I'm thrilled to share another fascinating perspective on what it takes for leaders and their teams to unlock their highest human potential. So much of what you may have been taught about leadership may actually be working against you. So I have two amazing friends who can help explain that, Amanda Sanders and Amy Levin. They are business partners in a business called Authentic CEO, and I've gotten to know them personally over the past few months and have been so impressed with how they think, how they use their intuition, their insights, and then how they get the incredible results that they do. They each come from very different backgrounds. Amanda is a 10-time entrepreneur with a dynamic journey that's really hard to capture in just a short time snippet here. (laughs) She is a mechanical engineer by degree, award-winning enterprise software executive by trade, and human potential activator by passion. She's worked with Apple, Dell, Visa, Wells Fargo, Honda, and many other widely known brands. Amy began her career as an open-heart nurse and has a degree in public health policy and background in health and wellness, and she's developed a passion for team collaboration and personal development, which provided her the opportunity to help open a multi-specialty surgery center repeatedly ranked number one in the state of Indiana. Through neuroscience and quantum physics, they are changing the way that business is done. It's really exciting. Amy and Amanda are also co-founders of Vimahala Ventures, a VC fund that's changing the fundamentals of investing. And they're part of the fourth wave accelerator coaching team for high potential female tech entrepreneurs. So they're doing lots of interesting things. And I'm including longer versions of their bios in the show notes, along with links to various organizations that they're affiliated with. So definitely check that out. And before I jump into our conversation, I just wanted to encourage you to listen without feeling the pressure of figuring out something to do. Instead, just listen and consider how you're being. I think our conversation will challenge how you think about yourself and the world around you and can ultimately help you become even better by being more of your authentic self. Enjoy my conversation with Amy and Amanda. Amy and Amanda, welcome to CEO on the go. I'm so glad that you could join me for some conversation today. Wonderful to be here. We're so excited to be here. Yay. I know we have, we have worked together a little bit as, as part of a team on a special project. And I knew once I met both of you that we have a lot in common and you all think so differently about leadership and have some wonderful perspective to share amazing work that you're doing. So I just wanted to spend a few minutes kind of 
exploring that and helping listeners gain some insights that I think will be really valuable to them. Um, And we'll, we'll touch on some of the myths that people have about how to be a good leader and what leadership really requires. But first, I just thought, I know that your business is Authentic CEO, so I thought it would just make sense to start by talking about authenticity and why authentic and what that means. So Amanda, why don't you kick us off? Sure. Thank you, Gail. I'm so happy to be here and talk about this stuff because I think it's the hidden gem that just changes everything. And I have no idea why we don't talk about it in school. We don't talk about it in business school. We don't talk about it in business. You know, even in entrepreneurial settings, there's there's no conversation about this stuff. And uh, we've just been watching like how everyone's life changes, both their work life and their personal life when they start being more authentic, right? So what is that idea of authentic? And for us, it's really recognizing that there's a lot more to you than the part of you that does the to-doing, the to-do list, the project plans, the emails, the uh, conference calls, the all those things that we associate with work. Um, and then that thinking mind, you know, we went to school and we got grades and maybe we did higher education and we got diplomas. Maybe we even competed in some stuff and maybe got awards or not, but it's all off of, off of this, this part of your mind that we call the thinking mind or the conceptual mind. And nobody really said, Hey, did you know, did you know that that part is super, super small? And that there is, um, you know, by, by reference of just numbers, if you're saying, how small is it? How small is it, Amanda? How small is it? There is uh, just about between 60 and 120 bits per second is the processing speed of this thinking mind. So if you think about that, you're like, wow, I think my computer right now goes faster than that. But what's the rest of the brain doing? Well, it's doing 399 billion billion bits per second. So if there's a majority of what's going on outside of the part you went to school for and that you use in your traditional work, what is that? And if we could understand it and work more from that place, that would be more authentic, right? It's more of who we are. So it's just that real simple definition of understanding who and what you are and the, and the tools you've got and, you know, through the brain is sort of how we describe it. And then when you can become more of that and use that greater tool set, the 399 billion bits per second, rather than the average of a hundred bits per second, then that that's the path to authenticity. And it happens to also be a happier, more peaceful, more successful state to be as, you know, a side effect. So even the side effects are great. Yeah, that's amazing. We have so much more capacity to leverage then. And is it, I'm guessing that's a challenge to teach or many people would think that would be, is it something that you can teach? I know that's what you all are immersed in. Amy, what are your thoughts on that? It is something you can teach, but it is an odd concept to say, don't take life so personally. Right? It's when we take everything personally, we actually are not showing up authentically because we are continuously repeating things from the past. And so Amanda talked about all these 400 billion bits of the brain. If you say something to me and I'm continuously filtering it, am I okay? Am I not okay? Are you okay? Are you not okay? I'm filtering it through the logical brain, which all the logical brain knows how to do is to repeat, repeat, repeat. 
So even just stepping back and saying, am I taking everything in this work environment, in this team development, in the leadership, am I taking it personal? That sounds weird because we have lived our life in a personality, right? But to step back and start to get some distance from the costume we wear and that personality actually allows us to tap more into our authenticity. And when we tap into our authenticity, we've been so conditioned to play by rules that, uh, and then we're worried, well, and will I offend somebody else? Will I be offended? You actually become one less offended, less triggered. And the other person is not offended and they are not triggered because they sense something different. You're coming from a completely different place. So it sounds like you really have to trust yourself. Like I would think that would be risky, you know, to, to just kind of trust my instincts or to be who I really am, especially when I've been conditioned. I'm thinking like a leader, even like myself, sometimes I've been conditioned to be a certain way. So how do you begin breaking a pattern or moving into a different way of leading? I imagine I'll give this one to Amanda, but we'll probably both talk about triggers. What triggers you is for you. Well, and the key in your question was, how do I, how do I trust to be myself? Okay. The key of that question was the self. How do you know what the self is? Exactly. <laughs> and that's really, we don't even realize that's the question, much less go after the answer, right? We think, oh, well, of course I'm myself. My name's Amanda and I was born on this date and I've lived in these cities and I've had these titles and I'm an entrepreneur and I'm a mother and, you know, all of these things we would say are the self. And then we realize, oh, what if those are just labels, stories, right? The stories I have that I'm successful. That's a story. I'm not saying it's working against me, but it's still, it's a story. It's a, it's a label. It's a belief I have, right? Um, I believe that when I drive on the 101 in the Bay Area, there's going to be a lot of traffic, right? It's a story I tell myself and I plan all of my, you know, Bay Area trips around the not being out there on the traffic times because it'll blow your travel times out of the water. But, but really, I'm changing my entire life for a story that I have about myself. You know, I, I was bitten by a dog when I was uh, three years old on my face. I had to have plastic surgery. And unlike most people, I don't play out that story. I don't have a fear of dogs when I grew up. But you can imagine that most people who've had that experience, they live their adult life from that story of their child life. So is is being bitten by a dog who I am? Is that part of myself or is it not? And if I can just choose to have it go away, you know, like the same way I don't play out the story. I love dogs. You'll probably hear my dogs barking. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's really even just directing people to understand that there was, there was a bigger question in that question of how to be authentic is to how to even start to categorize what is the self? What is really me? Um, and what is my personality? And I'll say, it's just as Amy was just saying it, that I actually had this aha moment, which I love. Thank you, Gail, for hosting this, this space for us to even have these aha moments. She said, you know, don't take it personal, which we say a lot. And, and I've heard a lot. But in the moment of her saying it, I realized that that's what the, your personality is. It's the right? The beingness of taking things personal, right? 
So if I can just be here in this moment, let's use that same dog example, regardless of whether I've had a dog bite in my past or I've had beautiful moments with dogs. If in this moment, I'm not being bitten in this moment. So if in this moment I can be here with them, then I'm with the self. If in this moment, all I'm thinking about is joyful moments I've had before or scary moments (laughs) that I've had before, then I'm not being with the self. I'm being with the personality. Yeah. Does that make sense? Or is that too no, weird well, of a concept? It, it makes sense <laughs> to me, but I know that we are all in a kind of a similar realm of helping leaders and executives explore more of the self and gain some insight. And it goes against a lot of traditional thinking about what leaders should do, learning specific skills, focusing on goals and strategies and everything that's kind of outside of themselves. So I love the fact that you're focusing on the inner work that leaders and people in general can do to bring out the best in themselves. And I love how you all do that in your unique process. So um, yeah, it's just a different kind of conversation that we're having today. So I love this. And I think that it's really important, uh, especially now as leaders are kind of rethinking everything to, to make sure that this becomes a priority for them to gain more awareness about who they are and how they're moving through their, their life and their work. And I know before our conversation, we had talked about a lot of the typical ideas that people hold in their heads or beliefs that leaders have that can often work against them. So I thought it would be helpful to touch on some of those things, too. You're such a contrarian thinker, um, out-of-the-box thinker, both of you. So I know that one of them that we talked about was the idea of working so hard that you've got to you know, keep grinding and, and it's things have to be difficult. Um, but really... They don't have to be that way. And sometimes the best results come when you don't have to be really knocking yourself out. So I know you're seeing that too. Actually, to get out of that cycle, you play. Yeah. (laughs) You find the child within you and you start to play. But at first, that can feel a little difficult. Like we have the story. You develop, right? We all get a story from something. And if the story is, I have to work hard to have results. You have to really dig into that. Why? Why do you believe that? First of all, more than likely, it's because if it was just handed to you, it wouldn't be worth it. You wouldn't be worth it. You're not worth it to have something just handed to you. So we play then, it has to work hard. What's interesting then is we start working hard continuously, right? And and it keeps, life keeps repeating and giving us that to work hard. And the frequency we put out, it's like a stell tower. I have to work hard. I have to work hard. I have to work hard. Right. And badge of honor. More. It is. And we get more and more and more of it. And what we're actually doing besides our seeing maybe that we're not worthy is seeing everything outside of us. And as long as it is outside of us, we are living a very conditional life. And that's exhausting. We are continuously chasing because once we get to point A, we will be happy. Once we get to point A, we will be safe. Once we get to be point A, it'll be okay. We can celebrate then and we keep chasing point A. And even when we get to point A, after a lot of striving, we are um, then looking to the next point A. We keep moving it back, back, back. 
And we've never taken the time then to really be in the moment to celebrate what is and what's already here. And if you stopped and you took some blinders off, you'd actually see probably the things that you're chasing are already here. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's a good tip too for leaders who can take a pause and they don't necessarily have to have a big party or anything that's time consuming, but just to acknowledge with their teams, hey, here are wins for today or this week. And to make that more of the focus as opposed to uh, where are we on our project and where's the status and, and you know how are we in terms of reaching our goals? Not that that's not important, but without the other, what really matters, right? There's so many of these beliefs that we have well-intentioned but taken on, right? Like you've got to have a strong work ethic. We say that. We say that to our children. We say that to our friends. We say that to our employees, right? This, I've got a strong work ethic. Like uh, that may, you know, I'm, I'm going to be successful. I have a strong work ethic, right? And we don't realize that what is that story really saying? It's saying the only way that I can create value in this wor- world is to work hard, right? Because the, the work ethic is to the fact that you can work hard in the face of adversity, right? Because a work ethic isn't usually that, oh, I can just like work hard sometimes whenever it's nice and frivolous and fun. It's this like almost this um, this uh, warriorship, right? And you do, you see the, you know, the CEO warrior as a, as a big archetype that people take on. And this fact that you can fight through and make it through anything, right? Hard work pays off, right? We say that a lot, right? We have all of these stories and these beliefs around this idea that 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 working is what provides value. And work there is usually translated to the to doing, right? It doesn't mean having a business or quote unquote going to work. It means actually doing physical actions to produce something. And what we don't realize is all of this showed up in the days where first agriculture was dominant because everything in the fields is a direct correlation to the amount of hours and physical labor that you've spent preparing it, growing it, culling it, harvesting it, all of those things. And then we went into the industrial revolution. Same thing was true of the manufacturing line, right? The number of hours that you had a human being at a certain productivity level create widgets and put them together was the amount of widgets you got out at the end. So it's no surprise that we came up with these things, but we don't live in those ages anymore. We graduated to the knowledge age years and years and years ago. And some say that we're even moving you know, beyond the knowledge age into this heart-centered age that we're not even sure. What does that mean for a job when you're paid primarily for something heart-centered, right? But we couldn't imagine what it meant to be paid to do something mind-centered, right? The knowledge age, right? What would it mean if you just used your brain to do stuff, right? But as you know, the brain is not about number of hours worked, right? How long have you tried to write a proposal or design a new version of a product or decide on the strategic plans for this next quarter? And it's not about the number of hours you put in and slog it out. You do that, but you do it because you don't know another way. But then usually all at once, right? You have that inspiration where you go, oh, oh, that, right? That. There it is. Yep. There it is, right? Mm -hmm. And some people it's while they're driving and some people it's when they're in the shower. 
it's some people, you know, I'm an engineer. So uh, engineers, it's a whiteboard. We have a whiteboard addiction because you have to be standing at the whiteboard, (laughs) moving your arms, drawing something because that is the distraction, the driving, the shower, the whiteboard. It's a specific kind of distraction to the thinking mind that needed to work hard. And so you gave it something to do, but you also put yourself in the space of a different brainwave. So we, we like to think of things through our brainwaves. And I don't know if how familiar you or your listeners are to these brainwaves, but this one that most everyone's using right now is they're listening, they're thinking, they're doing email, they're you know, going throughout their day is, is a beta brainwave. It's the one of the, the thinking mind, that conceptual mind, that hundred bits, you know, per second. But there are a whole handful of other brainwave states, and we were always meant to be in all of them uh, throughout the day and, and go back and forth as we needed, you know, this one's good for this, this one's good for this, this one's good for this, right? Delta is one that a lot of people have heard of. That's the sleep one you know, have trouble sleeping, you're not getting into Delta very well. But what they don't realize is that theta is this state where you've sort of kept the thinking mind busy. It's the state you go to when you're meditating as well. This is why meditation, I think, is getting a good resurgence right now, because it's getting you out of that mind that believes working hard is necessary or even good for you. And when you're in that theta, the cool thing is, it's a very low brainwave state, but the cool thing is it pairs with a high brainwave state and high gamma is the, the spot of inspiration. That's when you go, oh, that's the answer. Like that there spot. it is. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's fantastic. Yeah. And did you know that so many things that we as leaders do throughout the day actually prevent us from going to gamma? They stop it. So really, <laughs> we're in this, this little hamster wheel cycle of, wanting to have these inspirations so that I can very quickly have a great idea on how to present to the board these plans that we want to do. Or I want to have this inspiration of, you know, exactly where we should expand our geographies next, right? Or I want to be able to inspire the team cohesiveness and and really have this felt sense of, of belonging, even if we're remote. But I can't do that by working harder. And many of the activities that we do throughout the day from a brainwave perspective actually prevent us from going to this place, this gamma and high gamma place where it flows naturally and in an instant, not about hard work at all. Yeah. And, and you know, instead what they're doing, they many leaders are doing is leading to burnout and, you know, or apathy or, you know, just don't care anymore. I can't take anymore. <laughs> and that's not motivating for their teams. But I was going to back up and say how I love that you kind of trace the history of how people in, even view work and, you know, where we are in modern times and the, the greater openness there is to understanding yourself and leading from your mind and, and your heart. And it's, it's not all about traditional work and the way that we viewed it. I thought that was a great point to emphasize. Um, I know that we're nearing uh, wrap-up time here, but Amy, I wanted to bring you in and see if there's some other thoughts or ideas that would be helpful on this topic of, you know, how to, how to really drive more authenticity, maybe think differently, challenge some of the beliefs that leaders typically have that you think would be helpful to share. I'm just going to play off of what Amanda said, that if by the end of your day, you are exhausted, you're doing it wrong. It, it, 
we don't have to do it that way anymore. I mean, first of all, Amanda took us through, you know, these different eras. We have computers now and AI that will do so much for us that should even free us up even more to get in these other brain states that we can be more creative. We can connect authentically, right? And if you're waiting for your vacation to then take a break, again, you're doing it wrong. Because every day, if we start to look at from play, we've taken on so many beliefs that we aren't even aware of. A child's job is to play. And at some point, we were taught as a child to stop and to start working hard and to thinking, thinking, thinking. I value my thinking brain, right? I know we all value our thinking brain, but Amanda uses the example. I don't want to learn how to brush my teeth every day. But I also want to bring in new solutions and I want to be able to see the eyes of the world and my business and my employees and my team through the eyes of a child. And in that eye of a child, wonder starts to spark. Curiosity, the feeling of Christmas, if you celebrated Christmas or whatever holiday, your birthday. And from that, a whole different power and excitement comes and your authenticity shines. Your authenticity, besides this taking personal, is really your gifts and talents that just show up, that you came here to express and share with the world. And that is effortless. And sometimes it's so effortless that we miss it. Right? We think, well, that's too easy and it's not worth it. But that's your that's your gold. Yeah. I, I love this conversation. I think that um, we could go a lot deeper in it, but I just think it's so valuable to even challenge people to begin allowing themselves to to operate differently, to question how is it that they have come to believe what they do. Uh, it seems like that's a, a takeaway that I'm getting from this conversation or reinforcement. And encouraging your team to question it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you believe that? Yeah. That's one. I think that's one of the best things you can do to be a more coach-like leader is help, help challenge the beliefs that your team has so that they can become more of who they really are. What lights them up? What areas? Because maybe they're not in the right area. Maybe, right. By finding out where their gifts are, just switch them to another area and the whole team flows differently. Love that. Yeah. Amanda, any final thoughts from you? You know, I want to leave just one picture in people's heads. Um, this is an analogy we use a lot um, and, and even have sort of read some books and watched some documentaries on. And it's this idea of monocropping in agriculture versus creating a biodynamic farm. And it, that may sound really weird. I'm like, why are we, <laughs> <Do> explain. <laughs> why, are we why are we looking at this? But, um, you know, you're very familiar with how uh, most of the, at least the U.S.-based um, agriculture is done in a very monocrop, right? We, we grow lots and lots and lots of corn on a, a massive farm that grows only corn and only corn, right? Or we grow lots and lots and lots of rice on a, on a farm, usually a bog or something that does only rice, right? This is the, this is the monocropping. And then there is this idea that you can create actually a biodynamic farm, which needs to have massive amounts of diversity to create a sustainable ecosystem where even every something that you would consider a pest, right, or every um, uh, piece of resistance to this, you're looking at well, what's missing in the cycle? You're not looking at how do I get rid of this pest? You're looking at, well, why aren't the natural predators for the pest 
also in my cycle, in my biodynamic cycle. And how do I attract them to my farm, right? How do I have as much diversity in crops so they all support each other and, and how they're nourishing the soil? And, and so we use this, this picture and this analogy because I think it's just so beautiful for us to have pictures in our head that can connect to the land. This is what we're doing with our lives, So we challenge each and every person we work with to say, where in your life are you monocropping, right? And if you are following out one set of stories in your life, if you are eating the same with some clients who eat the same breakfast every day, (laughs) just out of efficiency, they're like, I don't want to think about it, right? You definitely have executives that have, you know, sort of their power suit or their whatever that they wear every day. And they have, you know, just a set of five or six of them because it's easier than thinking about clothes, which, which is, is true, but is you're monocropping your life. And when you are staying in a beta brainwave state, when you are saying that the thinking mind is so important that I'm just going to use it throughout my entire business day, you are monocropping your mind. And you are monocropping your business. And as we know from the agricultural industry, the moment you start monocropping, you now have to bring in a whole host of other procedures. You have to bring in pesticides. You have to bring in fungicides. You have to figure out how to get nutrients back into the soil because you're taking them out, but there's nothing to put them back in. And so you're in firefighting mode or you're solving the problem of the fact that you don't have a closed cycle all the time. All of your money and resources and strategies are going to fix the fact that you're monocropping. What if you just stopped monocropping? What if you thought of your life, every moment of your life, in the same analogy as we would think of a biodynamic farm? And how would that change? And what Amy and I see is when we work with you to do that through other brainwaves, through other tools, through quantum physics, to even understand the world around you differently then just like a biodynamic farm seems to take care of itself, you don't need as many people to work on it. You aren't solving these problems and these fires and you don't have to effort, you know, so much into a biodynamic farm. Same thing with your life. The businesses get more successful, more beauty blooms from the life And you become one of those lucky ones that you've heard about. You know, you always read a story or you have that friend where it's just effortless. They just trip into new business deals and new partners and new opportunities. And that is what happens when you shift your own life and your own brain from monocropping to biodynamic. I love that. And it happens organically too, to use a farming term. (laughs) I know. I love the double entendre on that one, Gail. Good. Oh, oh, you guys are so wonderful. I'm I'm so glad that we could kind of tiptoe into this different kind of thinking. You know, for today, it is different. It's uh, a new way of viewing yourself and your beliefs. And I think that you've really challenged people today to think so differently. I hope listeners will take to heart what, what you all have been talking about, because I know that there's so much more depth there that we could explore. But like I said before, it's called CEO on the go for a reason. So try to keep keep our episodes relatively short and relevant. So I can't thank you enough for joining me today. And um, oh, and where where should people reach you? Let the audience know that before we, we sign off today. Vanna? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our website is authentic.ceo or you can email us if you have any questions or want to talk to us directly at 
authentic at authentic.ceo. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you guys so much again for having this conversation and for everyone else listening in today. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week doing the work that matters to you. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, be sure to share this episode with someone else who might benefit or leave a review. You can join my email list by going to workmatters.com so you don't miss an episode. And there you can learn more about ways we serve mission-driven leaders like you. If there's a challenge you want to discuss, I'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, keep growing as a leader, inspiring change, and doing the work that matters to you.